To those of you listening to us on the internet and to the men and women in our armed forces, wherever you may be, and to our members and guests here at Beautiful Savior Lutheran in Milwaukee, grace be to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God upon which we base our message this morning on this last Sunday of the church year is the gospel for this morning. You heard it read before, Mark chapter 13. I recall just these words. No one knows when that day or hour will come. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, who indeed is coming in the clouds with power and great glory, my beloved. 2 Timothy chapter 3. You must understand this. In the last days, there will be violent periods of time. People will be selfish and love money. They will brag, be arrogant, and use abusive language. They will curse their parents, show no gratitude, have no respect for what is holy, and lack normal affection for their families. They will refuse to make peace with anyone. They will be slanderous, lack self-control, be brutal, and have no love for what is good. They will be traitors. They will be reckless and conceited. They will love pleasure rather than God. They will appear to have a godly life, but they will not let its power change them. If indeed these all, as I just read, are indications of the last days, you and I indeed are living in the last days. In fact, the subject for this last Sunday of the church year are the last days and and the last day. According to the words of St. Mark before us this morning, we are encouraged in the last days to be mindful of the truth and to be mindful of the signs and to stay alert. Here we are in the very last days of planet Earth in anticipation of the last day. In fact, that's really what Jesus was talking about with his disciples in Mark chapter 13. They were sort of strolling the streets of Jerusalem, and the disciples looked around and they said, oh, Jesus, take a look at what beautiful buildings we have, the temple, the walls of the city, what a great culture we have. Maybe they were even thinking in their mind that uh, this would make a pretty good capital city where Jesus could put his palace too. Jesus' answer, it's all coming down. Do you see these large buildings? Not one of these stones will be left on top of another. Each will be torn down. And so it was that Jesus was talking not only about the destruction of Jerusalem, but he was also talking about the last day. Now, today, a whole lot of the unbelieving world out there is doing a lot of speculation about the last day. And so this morning, I think we need to take a little time to set uh, set the record straight because there are a whole lot of inaccuracies. And isn't that the way it is? Whenever you take a look at things apart from Holy Scripture, you usually end up only with a whole lot of guesses and speculation. So it is today, whether you look on the Uh, bookshelves of Barnes & Noble, or you go to Amazon.com, or you go and Google things, you can uh, take a look and find out a whole lot of things of speculation about the last day. 
And when you look back, you really see how foolish it all is, don't you? Everybody remember the uh, worries about uh, December 21st, 2012, the Mayan calendar? The world is supposed to come to an end? For many years, people have been speculating about the last day. Way back in, 1940, in 1914, there was a man by the name of Charles Russell, who was a leader of the Russellites. Today, they're known as the Jehovah's Witnesses. And he predicted an exact day that Jesus was going to return. And so the day that he predicted, I can't remember when it was, all the people of his church dressed up in white gowns went up to a mountaintop waiting for Jesus. When midnight came, Jesus didn't show up. Shortly after Jesus' ascension into heaven, the angel said, Why are you men from Galilee standing here looking at the sky? Jesus, who was taken from you to heaven, will come back in the same way that you have seen him go to heaven. And even those words, as clear as they were, were misunderstood by the new, early New Testament Christians because you know what they did, what they thought? They thought, well, that meant that Jesus was coming and returning tomorrow. And if it wasn't tomorrow, it was going to be the next day. And if it wasn't the next day, certainly it was going to be next month. And so a lot of the people quit their jobs. And they threw their money away, or they gave their money away. They say, why worry? Jesus is coming back. Jesus didn't return. And remember the big fiasco of 1999, the Y2K scare? You know how when the computers were going to turn over from 999 to 000, they were wondering if things were going to collapse? And you think that's funny? I had an employee back then that... Uh, uh, she and her husband loaded up their car with toilet paper, water, and all sorts of groceries and drove their car out uh, to the middle of a farm field way out of town because they were afraid that at midnight the homes were going to collapse and everything was going to fall apart and they didn't want to be a part of that. Midnight came and went. didn't happen. Whenever people speculate and try to make guesses about the arrival of the last day, According to Scripture, they are immediately suspect because Jesus said, no one knows when that day or hour will come. Even the angels in heaven and the Son, Jesus, according to his humanity at that time, didn't even know. Only the Father knows. Be careful and watch. You don't know the exact time. Another area of speculation and inaccuracy that we really have to uh, set straight this morning is how is the world going to end? There were movies back, I can remember 2005, 2012, were those disaster movies. Uh, one of them said that the world was eventually going to, um, the outer crust was going to collapse on itself and shrink down to the core because of some sunspots. So the world was going to destroy itself. And then uh, there was another movie that said that uh, uh, the world was going to be wiped out because of drastic climate change that mankind brought upon himself. The truth is that creation will not destroy itself. And God's creatures, man, will not destroy the earth. The creator will destroy the earth, and not just the earth, the whole universe, and so there's no escaping to another planet. Isaiah, all the stars in the sky will rot. In other words, their orbits will disintegrate. The heavens will be rolled up like a scroll. The stars will fall like leaves from a grapevine, like green figs from a fig tree. St. Peter, 
On that day, heaven will pass away with a roaring sound. Everything that makes up the universe will burn and be destroyed. Everything that makes up the universe will burn and melt. And Jesus informs us in in Mark 13, when all that's happening, then lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing nigh and Jesus is coming in power and great glory from the clouds. Another thing that I'd like to address, because I hear it every once in a while, is that we Christians are um, not very environmentally minded. You Christians, you know, you've got to get greener. You've got to recycle more. You've got to be uh, in favor of ever-increasing regulation to keep this place clean. Don't you think uh, Christians think that the environment is important? Yes, we do. But for a whole lot of other reasons than unbelievers, the earth of ours is not the be-all and the end-all of man's existence. It's only temporary. Earth is not Mother Earth, like some sort of God that is our evolutionary life source. Earth is God's creation on which he placed his creatures. It's God's gift to us. And that's why we take care of it. But it will perish, and there's nothing that we can do to stop it. And by now, maybe some of you are saying, Pastor, Pastor, please please tone it down a little bit, you know, because you're starting to scare the kids. Why should we talk about it? We talk about it because the Bible talks about it. We talk about it because we have to remind ourselves about our sin and the sin and the disobedience of all mankind because the reason that the world is coming to an end is because of, because of us and our sin. All mankind fell in Adam's fall. Man disobeyed God, and so God said, From dust you came, and to dust you will return. Because of sin, death and all endings entered the world. St. Paul reminds us all creation has been groaning with the pains of childbirth up to the present time. Groaning and dying started with the fall into sin. Our deteriorating world that will end is a consequence of man's sin. God does not take sin lightly. Once he destroyed the world by water, the next time he's going to destroy it with fire. But at the same time, that thinking about the end of the world reminds us of our sins. It also reminds us of our Savior. Jesus says, be mindful of the signs. Famines, earthquakes, nation will fight against nation. Brother will hand over brother to death. Children will rebel against their parents and kill them. Everyone will hate you because you are committed to me. And so you take a look at all those terrible things that are happening in our world today, and you can name the places as well as I do, Paris and Mali, and the list goes on. And we say, what's going to happen? What a terrible world in which we live. But all those terrible things... God serves as signs to remind us that the end is near. Jesus is coming to take us home. Jesus, the rescuer, he arrives in a manger. He goes to a cross. 
He exits a grave. He ascends to heaven and he rules over all things and he will return. Look at the signs. They're all around us. Jesus says, just like the trees in the early spring, you know, when they start looking, you know, have that fuzzy green haze about them. You know, summer's right around the corner. Jesus uses another illustration about the end times. He says that we're living sort of like um, an owner. It was that uh, was going to go away on the trip. And so he uh, left his caretakers, his servants behind. And he said, now you really take really good care of this place because I'm coming back. I don't want you to watch. I want you to be waiting for me when I return. And it's kind of interesting. He says he might return, you know, at dawn, the morning or whatever. Actually, what he was referring to were the four watches of night. Six to nine, nine to twelve, midnight to three, three to six. Those are times of the 24-hour a day when most people are sleeping. So Jesus is saying, don't fall asleep in the darkness of unbelief. Stay awake. I know it's hard because the world wants us to doze off unmindful of our Savior. Keep watch. The end of the world is coming. We don't know when. But what if we did? What if we knew when Jesus was coming and that it was going to be exactly four weeks from today? Would anything in your life change? I suspect that it would. I suspect that if we knew that Jesus was coming four weeks from now, that the things that currently seem to be so important to us would probably become less important. And the things that we usually relegate to the trivial might become extremely important. And what would happen to our worries? Jesus is near. So why is it that we so often live our lives as though he's not coming back when we know that he is. When Adam and Eve fell into sin, they experienced the beginning of the end. Because of Jesus, you and I are living in the end, anticipating a new beginning. Where will we receive a new heaven and a new earth? Wherein dwells righteousness, the Bible says. And so, since the last day is near, know the truth. Be mindful of the signs and stay alert. Some last watchwords by St. Paul and St. Peter. You know the times in which we are living. It's time for you to wake up. Our salvation is nearer now than when we first became believers. The end of everything is near. Therefore, practice self-control and keep your minds clear so that you can pray. Above all, love each other warmly because love covers many sins. Welcome each other as guests without complaining. Each of you, as a good manager, must use the gift that God has given you to serve others. Whoever speaks must speak God's words. 
Whoever serves must serve with the strength God supplies so that in every way God receives glory through Jesus Christ. Glory and power belong to Jesus Christ forever and ever. Amen, says St. Paul, and amen, says Pastor Robbie. Please stand. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We confess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. We take this time to gather our tithes and our offerings and our connection cards.